Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with three returning All-Americans. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who's not a fan of Tate Martell's ego. No, no, not, not at all. That'd be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, who still misses Mark Richt. <laughs> I do. I do. That's Trey Newman. All right. This is our ACC Coastal and Championship episode. If you haven't already, check out our ACC Atlantic preview show from a couple days ago. And if you like the show, help us out. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Retweet it when we post the episode on Twitter, at CFB Bros. We'd really appreciate that. But let's get right into the episode and start with a game of fact or fiction. Go ahead, Trey. Yeah. Fact or fiction, Mac Brown was a good hire for North Carolina. Well, I've already been uh, kind of saying this before, so i got to stick with it. And I'm going to say uh, it's a fact that it is a good hire. You can already see uh, an uptick uh, in the recruiting for the Tar Heels, and that's not surprising because, I mean, we kind of know Mac Brown puts a huge emphasis on that. And, but I, I just think that Mac, while he might not be the best at the X's and O's himself, he's just good at being the CEO type and kind of letting his assistant coaches have more control. And I think so it's important for him to just surround himself with good coaches. And I think he did that. I like Phil Longo, offensive coordinator. He brought in Tim Brewster, good recruiter. And then Jay Bateman, at defensive coordinator, brought him in from Army. I like him too. So um, I think it's a fact. Yeah, I definitely like the hires as well. I'm going fact for that reason. And also because I think he's going to do a great job raising money. That's, that's a big issue. Yep. The general sentiment out there, the boosters like him, the alumni like him. So that's good. And so even though long term, this might not be a super high upside hire, I think he's going to leave the program in a better place than he found it. For sure. Wow, you guys are like, really changing my mind on this <laughs> compelling arguments. I'm going to go with a more of a soft fiction. A soft um, fiction. I underst- wow. Yeah. Well, I understand why they went back to Mac for a, a second stint. But I'm just not you know, you guys know I'm just not as high on him, uh, especially seeing how he kind of let Texas slip towards the end of his tenure a little bit. And after seeing him on TV for a couple years, I just didn't think he'd get a big time opportunity again. But that being said, I do think North Carolina is a sleeping giant and maybe he can kind of help them turn the corner. All right. Next one. Factor fiction. Miami benefited from the transfer portal more than any team in the nation this offseason. I'm going to say fact. It starts with Tate Martell, of course. Yeah. And another guy that comes to mind is KJ Osborne. He comes in from Buffalo at receiver. He should be one of their top targets. Trayvon Hill was a force at Virginia Tech on the D-line, so he should be able to just kind of be a plug-and-play type of guy. Bubba Bolden from SC could start at safety or at least add depth. You know, and then you got not even to mention Jalen Phillips, who who isn't eligible this year, but he was a big recruit a couple years ago for UCLA. So I think they won the portal this year. Yeah, this was uh, this was close. There's a lot of teams that I considered here. Miami, I'm I'm gonna say it's fact that they benefited most. To me, it was closest with um, Illinois. But the reason why I went with Miami over Illinois is just the quality of players that they got. I mean, not to take away from the players at Illinois, but I just feel like the quality is uh, a lot better with the guys you mentioned. I just think they're going to make a bigger impact for Illinois. Like, they got three guys from SC. They got Brandon Peters. What's wrong with SC, Ryan? Well, you know, I mean, (laughs) nothing's wrong with SC. Nothing. 
They're they're great. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I think those guys are not quite the difference makers that that the U got. So just gonna have to go with the the U as fact there. Okay, I'm gonna go fiction here because they also did lose a couple guys from from the portal. Obviously, they were way net positive. But Lawrence Cager at receiver went to Georgia. Marquez Ezard, another four star receiver from the 2018 class, he went to Georgia Tech. So that hurts a little bit. And then I guess I'm just going to call Oklahoma the big winners because Jalen Hurts was, I think, by far the most sought after transfer at the most important position. And they got him. They also got RJ Proctor, a guard from Virginia, who's supposed to start. So it's hard to argue against Jalen Hurts, I guess, though. So yeah, another team I want to bring up Maryland. Yeah, they got what looks to be potentially their starting quarterback, Josh Jackson from Virginia Tech. They also got Sean Savoy, a, a receiver for Virginia Tech who is actually switching to cornerback, which is a little weird. And maybe the biggest haul of all of it was Shaq Smith, a linebacker from Clemson who might have started at Clemson this year. So that yeah. that's he's going to be huge for them. Yeah, Loxley did well filling up with some transfers there. The quality, definitely. All right, we're going to move on to our last factor fiction here. Bronco Mendenhall has cemented himself as the best coach in the division. All right, I'm going to take a line from Trey. I'm going to call this one a soft fiction here. Okay. And for me, it, it comes down to obviously Mendenhall, David Cutcliffe at Duke. But the guy I'm going with is Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. Of course you are. You still can't let him down. Well, listen, I mean, he took over Memphis. I think people forget at the time they were garbage. They had two and eleven or two and ten, one and eleven, and two and ten seasons before he got there. And by year three, he went ten and three, and then nine and three, and then of course takes over at Virginia Tech, where they'd been six and six three of the previous four years. So they were not the program that you know we kind of remember under Frank Beamer. Immediately he goes ten and four, then nine and four. I'm not going to jump ship after one year. Last year was not good. They went six and seven, but. With all the injuries and dismissals and suspensions, I, I'm just going to give him a little bit of a pass. All right. I was kind of bit more between Mendenhall and, and Cutcliffe. And I, so I'm going with Mendenhall and I'll say fact to this. I, I love Cutcliffe at Duke and he's, he's right there, but he's kind of plateaued at Duke right now. And, you know, there, for as far as Mendenhall is concerned, there's probably better recruiters, but how he's turned Virginia around is is really astounding there has been clear improvement each year and according to him they're even ahead of schedule yeah remember last year before the season he said there were like 20 22 or was 20, yeah. yeah something like that like less than 30 acc caliber players on the roster yeah which and then they ended up having a really good season so yeah they did uh i'm gonna say it's fiction uh, i mean he's, he's done a good job no doubt uh but the last two years, he's he's had 14 wins. That's one less than Fuente, one less than David Cutcliffe. And then how do you judge the new coaches at Miami, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech? Uh, those coaches could prove uh, to be better than Bronco Mendenhall. So who knows? I mean, I feel like he's right there. But to say that he's the clear cut, cemented himself as number one, that's fiction. Okay, so you're going semantics here you're just you're just oh, yeah. take Definitely issue semantics. with the word cement but you're not going to say who's necessarily better no i, I kind of picked out the question there a little bit <laughs> okay found a little cheat well you asked the question so that's well doesn't mean i can't cheat it all right fine fine let's uh let's get to our tiered rankings now so we've got the contenders dark horses and long shots 
Trey, who's our first contender? Our first contender is The U, Miami. Their over-under is set at 8.5, with the over being the, the favorite at minus 155. So Manny Diaz, he brings some excitement to the program after that odd crash and burn of Mark Richt last year. I mean, yeah, that was so strange. Now, I was as I was looking up stuff on Manny Diaz, I didn't know this. Did you guys know he's a Florida State grad? No. That's pretty crazy. But he's he's entrenched in Miami. I guess his dad or his grandpa was actually the mayor of Miami at one point. So definitely knew that. Definitely the <laughs> heard that story, the the dad being the mayor, yeah. Yeah, I knew that one. And we're gonna hear that a lot this season too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every broadcast. We'll do some over unders on that. Yes. But uh but as far as the, the, the team, whether the for the offense, whether the quarterback's Nikosi Perry, Tate Martell, or even freshman Jaron Williams You'd think offensive coordinator Dan Enos will improve the offense. They have a good group at running back, including DJ Dallas. The The challenge, though, is only having one full-time starter returning to the offensive line. We, we talked about the transfers. They did get some help there, so, so hopefully they can mesh together for their sake. Defensively, Diaz, as the defensive coordinator at Miami, he led a, a top 15 S&P Plus defense in the years that he's, he was there. This year shouldn't really be any different. They're stacked on D. You got guys like defensive end Jonathan Garvin, 17 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. You got Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinkney. They're studs at linebacker. Yeah, the linebacking core might be the best in the country. It's really good. Yep. Yeah. They've been there forever. They have, yeah. And this they, this group has the potential to be Diaz's best defense. So I'm going to go over on Miami. I think they squeak out nine wins against their schedule with, with that strong defense. Yeah, I, I like Miami this year, too. You, the defense, there's there's no question. It, it's going to be really good with, with the front seven in the shape that it's in and all the returning guys. But the big question is is obviously the offense, as as it always is. And Trey, you mentioned the three guys who are in the race, but I hope for Miami fans' sake that Nikosi Perry is not truly in the quarterback race because I know he was young, but he just really did not look good last year. So hopefully it's it's either Tate Martell, Tate Martell or, or Jaron Williams. I think it'll be Tate Martell. He, you know, transferred there for a reason. But either way, I think they're going to get much better quarterback play this year. And I think he's going to have some good weapons to throw to. They got lucky that Jeff Thomas didn't end up transferring to Illinois, right? That's where he was thinking about going. Yep. And he ended up staying. Brevin Jordan had a really good freshman year at tight end last year. And and we mentioned already the the transfer from from Buffalo, KJ Osborne. So I'm optimistic about Miami. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you guys. I think they get they get to nine wins. And because really the only thing that held them back last year was that passing game. I mean, they because they had a really good running game, even though they teams knew they couldn't throw. They finished 34th in rushing according to SP Plus, which when you consider how bad the passing game was, is I thought it was pretty darn good. Yeah. So can the passing game improve? That That's really all it comes down to because we know the defense is going to be good and the running game should be fine. DJ Dallas is apparently looking pretty darn good. So I have my my sort of doubts about that, but they will be better than last year, I think, and, and good enough against this schedule to get to nine. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you guys. I have a, a little schedule tidbit. They They play North Carolina at North Carolina on September 7th. They don't leave home until an October 26th game at Pitt. Wow. So there's a lot of home cooking and chance to get those wins. Okay, our next contender is Virginia Tech. Their win total is set at eight. 
The over is a slight favorite at minus 120. Obviously a big year for for Justin Fuente, and I, I think they're going to be a lot better. The big reason why is that defense. There were so many freshmen and sophomores playing last year because of all the, the injuries and defections I talked about. Bud Foster really just had no chance. So this year, bringing back 10 starters, a little more continuity, I think they should be decent. And the offense, I'm, I'm excited about too. Ryan Willis last year proved he's a solid quarterback. And the receiving core, you might think, is in trouble with the transfers they had. Eric Kuma and Sean Savoy, of course, both leaving town. But I think they're actually pretty good there. Damon Hazleton, he was the leader, leading receiver. He's back. He's very good. Yeah, he's excellent. Dalton Keene had a good sophomore year at tight end. And the one guy who I think people should watch out for is Trey Turner. True freshman last year, over 500 yards on 20.6 yards per catch. So I just really like this this team. And with Phil Steele rating it as the easiest schedule in the Power Five, I'm comfortable taking over eight. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Mike. I'm going to also go over on Virginia Tech. The The question mark for me on offense was just the offensive line, but with just two returning starters there. But Fuente has already come out and said that he feels pretty good about his group. He feels that they're going to be physical enough and athletic enough. So I'm going to give, give Fuente the benefit of the doubt there. And yeah, def- defense, Mike, was just crazy. I mean, they had over 70% of their tackles last year come from those freshmen and sophomores. So that is just yeah. not what you, what you want. So a year later, I mean, they're not going to be super experienced, they're st- but at least they're going to be sophomores and juniors yeah. instead of freshmen and sophomores. So they're definitely going to get better with all that returning talent. I really like their linebackers uh, with Ashby and Hollyfield, uh, as well as their safeties. They got a good duo there. So yeah, I'm agreeing with Michael here. I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to go over, although I am a little concerned about, you know, all the transfers that have gone on and the kind of culture concern, I guess, there. that's Yeah, that's not like there's been no defections this offseason. Yeah, I'm a little weary of that, but I'll, I'll take the optimistic view. There's a lot of kind of red flags and ugly noise that uh, over the course of last year that that happened. And yeah, the the troubling thing about the Hokies last year was it wasn't just the number of losses, but how they lost. They lost six games by double digits and four of them by 20 or more. So I, there's just, they got to improve a, a, a pretty significant amount. Like you talk about the, the youth on the defense. Yeah. You'd expect Bud Foster to shore that up, but you know, it was from a defense that wasn't all that good. So how much can they really improve? They would, they will improve no doubt about it, but I just, I didn't think I'd be this pessimistic on Fuentes Hokies um, since I really liked the hire. Uh, I'm not writing them off, but I'm just not seeing them get to the nine win mark. So I'm going to take the under. All right. Got a little disagreement there from Trey. I like it. All right. Next uh, contender we have here is uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. Their uh, win total is being set at 70 or sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. I'm Seven taking point. under. Under. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to make that my lock. Yeah. <laughs> 7.5. As they're over under, and the uh, the under is the slight favorite at minus one twenty five. But what a revelation Bryce Perkins was Virginia last year. I don't think anybody really could could have anticipated uh, the type of season he had. He was third in the ACC in total offense. Uh, now the question for the Cavaliers is how do they replace their star running back Jordan Ellis and their star receiver Olamide Zacchaeus? At wide receiver, those two were by far uh, the best players at those positions. So that's a bit of concern. I do think they'll be okay, though, at, at wideout. They got Dubois and Reed coming back, uh, but 
I think running back's going to be a weak, a weak spot. Uh, although you would think with Perkins and his running ability and a few starters back on the O-line, uh, and they got a grad transfer on the, on the offensive line from Penn State. So I think the offense is going to be solid. But uh, the defense, well, I'll kind of let you guys talk, touch more on that. But Bryce Hall coming back was just absolutely huge for them at corner. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about them. I'm going to say they go over. I got to admit, I was I was wrong so far on Bronco Mendenhall. I, I really didn't kind of maybe under, not necessarily understand the hire. I just kind of questioned it. But he's improved them each year. And that kind of came out of left field for me. It was also just a weird move for for Mendenhall. It felt like you thought he was going to be a lifer. Yeah, at BYU. So yeah, like, why leave BYU? Yeah, didn't make sense. It looks like it's turning out pretty well so far. Yep. But uh, but now at this point in the program, they've got expectations. They're not kind of flying under the radar, especially after throttling South Carolina in their bowl game. So you, Ryan, you talk about the guys they lose on offense, but Bryce Perkins, he he's just. He's awesome. He gets it done. He's a dynamic playmaker. And and so I, I kind of like the offense, even though they do lose some of those guys that you were talking about. Defense, it's stacked for the Wahoos, especially yep. that back seven. You touched on Bryce Hall coming back to the secondary, but they also have the linebackers Snowden and Mack. They're going to be impactful. Uh, they got they got a good amount of depth on the defensive side too. So there's lots to like on that side of the ball for them. So with a pretty soft non-conference schedule, I expect the Cavs to take another step forward and I'm going over. And in fact, it's going to be my lock of the ACC. Wow. Okay. I, uh, I see it the other way. I am, I am not high on Virginia coming into this year. I worry more about the offense that than you guys do, especially you Trey, because Bryce Perkins is awesome, yes, but he was awesome last year, and the offense still wasn't really that good. They were 62nd in S&P Plus, so he carried them as much as he could, but that really wasn't all that far. So now without those two weapons that that are gone, Ellis and Zacchaeus, I don't know. I, I just I think they're going to regress a little bit, and I'm going under 7.5. All right, wow, good. Another disagreement for, for us. Okay, let's get to our dark horses now. Uh, Trey, who's the first dark horse? We got the Pitt Panthers. They're over under set at six. So as we talked about last week, Pitt managed to basically win musical chairs to get to the ACC championship. <laughs> uh, you know, with their offense ranking in the bottom third of the country in most stats, Narduzzi brought in some help. Uh, got new offensive coordinator, former UMass head coach Mark Whipple. Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, he put up some fairly pedestrian numbers, and he's really going to need to take the next step or at least have some more explosive plays if the Panthers want any chance to get back to the ACC title. The problem with that is they lose two 1,000-yard rushers in Allison and Hall. On top of that, they also lose four offensive linemen. So it's going to be tough tough to replicate that, that ground game that they had last year. Now, as I've mentioned frequently on this podcast, I've been really disappointed with Narduzzi's defenses, considering he's defensive-minded. They put up really, really poor numbers last year. I'll give it to them. They did finish down the stretch a little bit better, uh, aside from that Clemson game. But they lose three stat stuffers at linebacker, so that that's obviously not going to help. Looking at the over-under, this was the toughest one for me. I'm going to go under... Um, I think they finished six and six. I just, I think it's, in my opinion, it's more likely they go five and seven than seven and five. So that's why I'm going under. 
Yeah, I think uh, good old Patrick from uh, Pittsburgh, I think it's going to be, he's probably out in his yard drinking a beer right now. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> right? so. I don't think he's going to be too happy uh, with Trey or me after what I'm about to say. Not confident Uh-oh. in the Panthers this year. Uh, they do get a couple of grad transfers, I'll give them that, that'll make a good impact. Uh, Nolan Elizio, he's going to be a grad transfer for the offensive line, so hopefully that'll kind of offset the losses there. And the to me, the bigger one was, was Kylan Johnson from Florida. He's... Yep going to start at linebacker most likely he got a lot of snaps for the Gators and was pretty good playmaker so he's I would expect him to make a, a big impact for for Pitt and he's going to need to because that defense really wasn't that good they were 70th in yards per play and lose a handful of guys in that front seven so I I'm definitely concerned and they're because their d-line is it looks really thin I mean if they have a, a an injury or two it's going to be it's going to be troublesome uh so I, I kind of agree with Trey here. I'm going to have to go uh, under on Pitt. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. I mean, there are some good players on the defense. Reason to think that they might be okay on the D-line. Rashad Weaver is a playmaker. In the secondary, you've got DeMar Hamlin, one of the better safeties in the ACC. Dane Jackson's a good corner. So there's some good players. But like you say, Ryan, just overall, the depth is a little bit of an issue. And offensively, I do not like Kenny Pickett. I, you know, I know no, Kenny not Pickett. Not at all. I'm sorry. Like he's rough. <laughs> I know um, Mark Whipple is, you know, the quarterback whisperer, or or so they say. But I don't know. He might. Ha- he's going to have to yell. I think in order for Pickett to get the message. So we'll <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I'm going under. I'm going under. Uh, our next dark horse is Duke. Their season win total is set at five and a half, and the over is a minus one fifty favorite. So they, of course, lost Daniel Jones at quarterback, who was a uh, high draft pick. Yeah, which was uh, pretty controversial. But yeah, I don't think he's going to be missed all that much because Quentin Harris seems like he should be decent at the very least. This is going to be his fifth year in the program, all under David Cutcliffe. And we've seen him play quite a bit. He played when Jones was injured last year and and looked OK. So. I think they're fine there. And either way, I think they're going to rely more on the run this year. They got four O-linemen coming back, a really good group of running backs led by Deion Jackson. So offense, not as bad as you might think after losing a first round NFL draft pick at quarterback. And the defense should be good too. They do have a couple big losses at linebacker Joe Giles Harris and Ben Ben Humphreys. Yeah, that hurts. Yeah, those guys were, were stalwarts. But just about everybody else is back. And so I think despite... Starting out against Alabama, kind of a guaranteed 0-1 start. I think they're going to go over 5.5. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you, Michael, in the sense of the a lot of the focus will be on losing Daniel Jones. But I don't I, like you said, I don't think it's that much of a, a drop-off. He was so inconsistent last year. And especially you add in the element that Harris is uh, has the ability to run. They'll use his mobility. And you mentioned Deion Jackson, but they also got depth with Britton Brown at running back. The problem maybe is that the receiving core is very inexperienced and that line did give up 30 sacks last year. But yeah. uh but I I I'm not so down on the offense because of just because of losing Daniel Jones. Now, the defense it it had its semi struggles last year in in some of the key key uh categories. They should improve. I'm not seeing them going to not saying they're going to stifle any of their opposing offenses. One one guy that you didn't bring up was Chris Rumpf the second. He was a freshman All American last year, so he'll be uh, he's a nice piece to that defense. In the ACC, they avoid Clemson, but 
also haven't you mentioned Alabama. They also have to play Notre Dame along with the rest of the top ACC teams. So I think this is going to be a tougher year for Cutcliffe, and I'm going to say they stay slightly under the five and a half wins. Okay, Trey, I'm uh, I'm actually going to agree with Michael here on this one. I like Duke this year, and you know, Quentin Harris, obviously his fifth year, you said, but he was 2-0 and as a starter last year, and he also kind of helped them win the game at Northwestern. So maybe he, in the games he played, he might have slightly outperformed Daniel Jones at times. So I'm, I'm not worried about that position, especially with Cutcliffe as the coach. Uh, the defense is, it was worrisome last year, but I think they're going to be much better this year, even with that big loss of Giles Harris, because they have nine returning starters. And if you look at their age of their their roster, their defense, 10 of their projected 11 starters are going to be upperclassmen, juniors or seniors. So, and they've been in the program for a while. They know what they're doing. And I like the depth of their D-line. Trey, Chris Rumpf might not even start. I mean, he's a great player, freshman All-American, but he might not even start. So they got talent, pretty good talent, and yeah. some experience on that D-line, which is huge. And a big addition will be getting Mark Gilbert back. Uh, from injury exactly at corner he was uh he was really really good the year before so i i'm liking duke i'm going to be optimistic about them and i'm going to say that they uh they go over even though they have that tough non-conference and actually i'm going to make duke my lock of the acc but uh let's move on to uh our next what do we got here guys what are these dark horses (laughs) dark horses yeah thank you okay (laughs) wait this is a dark horse yeah, it's a dark horse, Ryan. Yeah, okay. All right. I might have <laughs> I seen. mean, hey, the Coastal's wide open. You I know, might have. Who would have thought that Pitt would have won it last year, but they did. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, here we go. North Carolina. Their uh, over-under is being set at four and a half, and the, the over is the heavy favorite at minus 145. I, uh, I'm i I'm not optimistic about, about North Carolina this year. I know they have uh, a brand new staff and everything, which... I think it's going to take a little time to gel there, especially since they're going to be changing the offense a little bit. They're going to that air raid attack. Uh, that might take a little bit to, to get used to. I do like Sam Howell, but true freshman with some a couple of freshmen up front on the offensive line also. So they're just going to be relying on a lot of young guys, and I just don't think that's a recipe for success. They do have some good running backs. So I'll give them credit for that. Michael Carter and Antonio Williams is, is a nice duo there. Carter is going to... I think Carter will really flourish since he's also a good pass catcher, so he'll probably get a lot of dumps out of the backfield from Howell. Yeah, Javante Williams, too, in the backfield. They kind of got a trio. Yeah, they're, that's true. They're they're good there. It's just their defense is horrible. I mean, they gave up over 200 <laughs> or nearly 220 yards rushing on the ground. And I mean, I do like the hire of Jay Bateman. Uh, he was mm-hmm. great at uh, defensive coordinator at Army. It's just going to take a while, I think, for them to be able to do what he wants. So I'm just going to have to say an under on uh, on the Tar Heels this year. Although I do like the long term future. Okay, I'm going. I'm going over on North Carolina. I think. By the way, Sam Howell is far from guaranteed to be the starter. I think they should go with him. But there's a couple of the other guys in the race: Cade Fortin, another freshman, redshirt freshman, and Jace Reuter, also a redshirt freshman. So it's going to be a freshman no matter what. So you can't expect too much from that position. But I don't think it's that hard to be an upgrade from Nathan Elliott last year. So I think you could see better quarterback play this year, especially under Phil Longo. And his offenses are known for passing, but he also typically has a really good running game. And I think with the backs you mentioned, Ryan, they're set up to to be decent on the ground this year. 
And the defense, you know what? I'd rather not talk about it, but there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They had a lot of injuries last year, so a healthy season could help. I'll go over four and a half. I don't know. With a, I'm going under. With a, with a freshman quarterback, a retooled defense, I see this being more of a, a challenge in year one of the, you know, Mac Brown round two. They were, they were two and nine last year, and they're on a, in the midst of a stretch where they're three and 21 versus FBS foes. Ouch. Uh, that's, that's not good. Well, at least they have, at least they have Mercer on the schedule this year. So yeah. Yeah. They got, they got one. But, yeah. uh, but Ryan, you talked talked about Jay Bateman. I really do like him. Um, he's kind of more of an attacking downward defense. A couple of the players were quoted as they they really like it, mainly because of the energy and the attack style of that. Oh, who who doesn't say that before the year? That's yeah, that, true. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But no, I mean he did wonders at Army with with less talent. So yeah, uh, there's some depth issues, particularly at corner and linebacker. But uh, but like you said, Michael, they can they can only go up. But exactly. uh, overall, year one, I'm uh, I'm saying under. Well, you guys, I forgot to bring up some of my my favorite stats reasons to think that North Carolina is going to be better this year. Oh, terrible in turnover margin. Oh, just the worst. Oh, now, horrible. they were twelfth in the nation in turnovers lost. So hopefully they can have a little bit better luck there. And also though that two and nine record last year, I think looks worse than it is. Because they were one in five in games decided by one score. So there you go. You do love saying I, that. I was too, expecting so. an applause after I said that. I paused. <laughs> you guys just stared at me blankly. Just give you a blank stare. Yeah, like. that was not exactly what I was expecting. <laughs> but. Uh, okay, now we are to a long shot, Ryan. Finally. Yeah, Trey. Who's that? Who's that long shot? Yeah, we got Georgia Tech, the Ramblin' Wreck. They're over under set at four with the under being the favorite at minus 160. So I, I like the hire of Jeff Collins. Uh, Paul Johnson, he kind of run his course in my opinion. But Collins arguably has the toughest first year test out of all the new hires, you know, converting from an option offense to a more traditional style. That's a huge challenge. They're even converting some pl- position players to different positions like Nathan Cottrell from running back to slot receiver. So the biggest question mark in my eyes, of course, is going to be quarterback, though. Can they tailor an offense to a guy like Lucas Johnson or James Graham? I like their experience and stable of running backs, but just a little bit concerned about the offensive line due to, you know, it's a, it's a new blocking scheme compared to that, that option run. Defensively, the problem will be up front in that D-line. Uh, even in the spring, they were rotating some offensive linemen over to see if they could get other personnel there. So that's a, a cause for concern. The, there is a schedule quirk that I'd, I like to bring up. Collins is actually playing his old school Temple in late September. So that'll be kind of interesting to see him against his old guys. Yeah. But uh, overall, it's, it's, it's tough, but I'm going to go under just because of the major transition. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to go under. I, the big issue is that last year, this team won with its offense, and we obviously know that's not going to happen this year. I don't see why they didn't. I mean, maybe they really tried to. I don't know. But why didn't they get a grad transfer quarterback? It seems like this is the perfect situation yeah, yeah, exactly. for a grad transfer quarterback. I'm assuming they they struck out on that. But yeah, the defense is not going to pick up the slack because they were 100th in S&P Plus last year. It's just... There's not much to like about this team right now, other than the fact, you know, the future. I think Jeff Collins is a good hire. He seems to be embracing recruiting in Atlanta. So 
you know, I, I would say the arrow points up in the future, but for this year, I got to go under. Michael, 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 how could you not mention the turnover margin of the defense? Oh, I, I missed this, Ryan. I missed it. Wow. How could you? I mean, they were one of the best teams in the nation in, in turnover margin. They, oh, they were, wow. Oh, they're going to they're not going to win a game. <laughs> they were plus eight. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So now that's got to revert back, doesn't it, Mike? Well, you know, option offenses tend to be, I think, positive in the turnover margin always. Like last year, Army, I think they barely turned it over. So maybe that's just the well, nature of the beast. They're not the option this year, so. Well, true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Could be real rough. This, this, you know, this actually kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, when Nebraska hired Bill Callahan, and it was just a very rough first couple years. Well, first year was really, really rough, where they had quarterbacks that just weren't capable of throwing. They didn't. They weren't ready for this type of offense. Oh, wait so a second. Think... Joe Daly ran the West Coast offense in high school. Ryan. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Isn't he coaching still? Like, yeah, he's actually well thought of. I think he's the offensive coordinator. I want to say at Liberty right now. Yeah, he was at Liberty for a while with Turner Gill. I don't know, or maybe he's elsewhere now. But anyway, yeah, I should. Yeah, it's funny though. They're saying the same thing about Lucas Johnson that he ran like uh, yeah a a high passing offense in high school. They are. Oh boy, but don't fall for it, Georgia Tech fans. (laughs) (laughs) He might not even start. So we'll see how that goes. True. Yeah, a couple other guys there, but. Hey, uh, I, I agree with you guys. I'm going to have to go under uh, on the Yellow Jackets here. It's just hard to imagine that they'll... I mean, to, in order to lose this bet, they got to win five. They play Georgia and Clemson already, so that's that's two losses. So they got to go five and five in the remaining games. Yeah, they got the second toughest schedule in the ACC. Yeah, so I, I don't see it. I don't see how they can go 500 against that remaining 10 teams. So going under. All right, there we go. We made it through. All 14 ACC teams now. But Trey, we've got a few more burning questions left, so we're going to put you on the hot seat. All right. Okay, Trey. This question comes from an email from Bubba, and he asks, over-under, we love over-unders here, so that's a good one, over-under 18 passing touchdowns for Georgia Tech this year. Well, I just looked at last year, and 18 touchdowns, would be ranked 82nd in the country. So I think that's a that's a good fair over under. But some of the teams with 18 or fewer last year were USC, BYU, LSU, Tennessee, TCU. So I don't see an overhauled option offense is is going to be able to outperform, you know, some of these examples from last season. So I'm I would go under. All right, which ACC coastal player that graduated or went pro will be missed the most in 2019? So I'm going with Zacchaeus from Virginia that you guys were talking about earlier, the wide receiver. He led the ACC in receptions, had 93 last year. He finished sixth all-time in the ACC. They also used him a little bit in the run game or the quick behind-the-line pass plays. So I think it's a huge loss for Virginia and Bryce Perkins. That's a good one, Trey. Uh, Next question, who will be the breakout player in the division? So I'm actually going to talk uh, about a, another wideout. I like K.J. Osborne, the wideout from Miami. He's he's the transfer from Buffalo. He's quick. He's vastly improved each year, uh, especially most recently last year with Tyree Jackson at Buffalo. He finished the year with over 50 receptions and almost 900 yards. There, there's talk in Miami camp of using him kind of like Braxton Berrios. Uh, he's very versatile. He can be used out wide in the slot 
or even in the backfield. So KJ Osborne's my breakout player. All right, last question. How many years did you go without using the word hurricane and why? In Miami, I avoided that. Okay, yeah. I uh, I was just maybe over the top obsessed with with Nebraska back in uh, my childhood, and you know we all went to the national championship where Miami beat Nebraska yeah. in two thousand one, and it took me a while to get over that for whatever reason. <laughs> so I refused to say Miami or Hurricane for at least a good five years, probably longer. That's that's totally not insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, the things we do as fans. Yeah. yeah, I know. Trying to explain that to like a rational person just wouldn't work. I think our listeners will get it. I yeah. think they'll get it. <laughs> Some of them will, for sure. Uh, okay. Now it's time for our ACC championship picks. Let's... Do we really even have to go through with this? Can we just can we just skip on by? I think everybody knows who we're picking. Uh, I don't know, Ryan. Maybe. Oh, you don't? No, I do. Yeah. Clemson. Okay. I think we all. <laughs> Clemson. Oh, Clemson. Oh, no. right. Okay, but wait, wait a sec. We got to make our, you know, division. But who are picks. they going to play? We didn't. Yeah, exactly. Who are they going to play? So you go first, Ryan. Okay. Uh, I have Miami uh, taking the coastal after. Uh, I think they're he, them and Virginia are probably going to be tied at six and two. That's what I have, and I think Miami will beat them. They get them, I think, in uh, Miami this year. So I'm going to say Miami will hold the tiebreaker and then have the right to get demolished by Clemson. Yeah, I'm going I'm going the same way. I think the biggest thing you mentioned they get Virginia at home. They also get Virginia Tech at home. So two biggest competition coming to Miami. That's huge. Yep. So I'm gonna go against the grain, you guys. I'm gonna take Clemson versus Virginia. You guys thought they play each other. This could be the game of the year in the coastal. And it what's cool about it is on a Friday night, October eleventh, Virginia at Miami. That could be a fun one. It could you know, obviously, I didn't know it was a Friday. That's that's all right. That's a yeah, good game for a Friday. It could decide the it could decide the division. I mean, I I feel like Miami definitely has more upside, but I know what Virginia is. They've got an established quarterback and a pretty solid defense, so I'm going to trust that at least this year. Fair. Okay, let's close out the episode with a questionable finish. Potential Miami starting quarterback Tate Martell once said that former Texas A&M quarterback Nick Starkle was, quote, ass, my dude. What's something you thought would suck but turned out to be pretty good? James Harden. I I didn't think I didn't think he'd be awful coming out of college, but I just I never saw this coming out of Arizona State. I know we're, you know, stick to football, but this was <laughs> No, I saw him play. He played at USC, I think my freshman year, and he scored like two points. So I'm I'm right there with you. I just based it on that one one game sample, but <laughs> yeah. Uh for me the movie Ratatouille. I thought oh it looked awful. And the pre a movie about a rat cooking, like it just didn't sound good, but turned out to be great wow yeah okay so for me it would have to be uh my spanish skills uh i really struggled with that in high school but you know my wife's from colombia and so i've i've picked up on it a lot quicker than i thought i would bien yeah pero necesito aprender mucho más <laughs> oh si si si, si, si. por supuesto <laughs> uh new north carolina offensive coordinator phil longo runs what they like to call a don't blink offense because of the fast pace what's your best catchy name for another acc offense okay i'm gonna call uh i'm gonna call Pitt's offense the uh the sleepy panther oh because they were by far the slowest 
pace of all the Power 5 teams. So. All right, I like it. Yeah. I think Georgia Tech, with kind of the deck stacked against them this season, the low expectations, they should call it the don't stink offense. It's going to be hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> all right, so I like a good pun, and this is a stretch, but Ryan, I too am going after the, the pit offense. Uh, Uh-oh. I could have just said pitiful, but that would have oh, yeah, been too easy. So this is a stretch, but easy do's it for Pitt. Narduzzi, uh, uh, he, uh, he isn't the offensive uh, coach. But should have just gone with pitiful. Pitiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Quit while you're ahead. Yeah. Okay, last question. Which player has the best name in the conference? And I'll go first here. I'm going with the oxymoronic name. Dang it, that's what I was going to go with. <laughs> Divine Diablo. <laughs> yeah. Safety at Virginia Tech. It, it sounds badass, too. It's just a great sounding name. Oh, yeah, yeah, sweet. I would. I thought you guys would just say Jamie Newman uh, being our brother. And oh, all, that's but, a good one. Yeah, but yeah. no, I, I, I still think I mentioned this earlier. Tommy DeVito. Uh, he just fits in New York. That name sounds like an Italian mobster. You know, he's gonna break your leg if you don't pay your bets. Like Tommy DeVito. <laughs> all, right. all right. So Ryan, did I take yours? Do you have one? I got I another one here. I have a backup because I thought that one might get taken. Okay. All right. You came prepared. Wow. I, yeah. For once, right? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say uh, Zane Zandier, the linebacker mm-hmm. from Virginia. I wonder what his middle name is, though. If it's another Z, then... Zeus. Yeah, then that really takes the cake. But you got initial ZZ, not bad. All right, that'll do it for ACC Week. Keep an eye on our Instagram, at College Football Bros. We're going to be posting some of our over-under picks and the tiered rankings there, so you can tell us what you think. Tell us where we're wrong. Uh, Next week, it's going to be Pac-12 Week on the podcast, so we'll have two episodes yet again, one breaking down the North, and the other breaking down the South, where I hope we'll all have USC winning, I'm assuming. Of course. Of course. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. So not. we hope you enjoyed our ACC preview, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros., Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.